listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Well, hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Next Trek podcast, the podcast that covers Star Trek Discovery. And of course, Star Trek Discovery is not airing right now, so we're going to be talking about something completely different, but I'm really excited. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And with us today, we've got a good friend of ours and former guest on the show for the episode, Leafy, uh, Kate. Welcome Hello. back. Hello. Glad to be here. All right. Well, we're uh, I'm pretty psyched about this. This is a show that I know you and I have really liked and uh, that Chris has has recently come to, although he he plowed ahead of me on the, on the rewatch because I had only seen season one. And we're going to talk about The Expanse today. Ooh. I'm really psyched for it. I, the Twitter, actually, this is the one thing that Twitter really, when we threw it out to them and said, hey, what do we do after Discovery? Uh, Twitter chimed in almost unanimously saying The Expanse. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to get into it. Although it took us three, four, five months, something like that, to, to get to it after after they asked. But you know what? We listen and we uh, we get there eventually. That's Better right. late than never. That's right. Well, before we do that, though, there is um, just a tiny bit of news. It's really we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about it. Uh, and it's incon- it's, it's inconsequential. It's really, it's really tiny. Um, yeah. it, it's just there's this little blurb online. I, I don't think anybody saw it really. Uh, but it seems like there's a Captain Picard series coming out sometime is, next who, year. Who is that again? Who is I know you guys may be confused um, because normally Captain Lorca is the one that we're talking about here. So yes. you guys, I know he's, he was on this old show. Not a big deal. Is he the bald uh, one? I think maybe. Yeah. You people might know him as mm. professor Charles Xavier. <gasps> That's, right. Yeah. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Uh, Guys, I think that the internet freaked out when that happened, um, as did we. Like, what were your reactions when you heard it officially announced there is a Captain Picard series, not Next Generation, but Captain Picard series coming out? What, what were your reactions? Chris, so I, you I climbed on my dining room table and said, oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. I can't. Yeah. That, inside, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think the cynic in me came out almost immediately in that I was like, now wait a minute. Because I, I, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, okay, but what is the source? Like, what is this right. like? A, like, was this actually from, where was this from? And so it was actually like a series over about an hour of yeah. learning that, okay, it was from the producers. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, no, no, it was announced on stage at... Um, at the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I was like, okay, great, fantastic. Oh, no, no, it wasn't only that. It was Alex Kurtzman, not just the producers, but it was actually Alex Kurtzman that actually announced it. Oh, but not only that, Patrick Stewart was there. And I was like, yeah. those, I didn't, I was out with friends and it was, you know, I think it was Saturday night that it, or Saturday yeah. it was announced. So it was the progression of like, like, oh, this is actually happening. From like, when I first heard it, it was like disbelief of like, that'll never really happen to wait a minute. Patrick Stewart was actually there and announced it himself from stage in front of hundreds and hundreds of Trekkies. This is going to happen. Like that, uh-huh. that was like, I, I was blown away and super excited. Can't wait to, to see it. And then I got to watch the, if you go onto Reddit, you can actually watch the entire yeah. um, uh, announcement and 
it was even better than if I don't know if you guys did you guys watch the full announcement from I Patrick Stewart? The clip when when he came out and basically just said, "It's been a long time coming," and you know, I'm so excited to return to this character. See, I'm not sure, Chris, that you follow the right people on Twitter because I think there are at least ten people I follow who all retweeted Patrick Stewart's <laughs> announcement, and I also follow him, so he was in there too. And so I'm like, "Well, yeah. he's in there too. This is real." Well, I did. Yeah, the little note he sent was, but I at the same time, when it's always it's behind the scenes. There's so many things that happen that are like announced and they're like they're not really not private because obviously you put it on twitter that becomes public but i feel like seeing it in them in front of a crowd announcing it and being excited like seeing his genuine excitedness to come back to that role really sold it to me like i was like oh okay he's he's in he's not just doing this because you know he signed on to something randomly he's actually He's actually excited about this. And that gets me, that's what, that's what I'm most excited about is that he's excited to be back. That's, that's really, I know it's encouraging. There's yeah. also a great photo floating around of him on stage. And in the photo, you can see in the background, LeVar Burton and some uh, others from the original show, all of this whole, you know, excited, you know, he's announcing it. And just that moment of them being there with him kind of took it over the top for me. Yeah, and then that's the question is, are, are, will all yeah. those guys be back? And in what what role? Because the announcement that, Jean, that Jean-Luc Picard is coming back, it's not Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Um, and it's and, not the next generation crew. Right. It's and, Picard. And that's the question is, is, is it just him or have they? Because honestly, and this is what I've been talking about with several of my Trekkie friends who I you know live closely with, but over the last six months, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like the next generation crew has become more and more uh, available, like more and more public. It was weird. Oh, yeah. It's like, I've seen, you know, uh, specifically, you know, we've seen uh, Jonathan Frakes directing a lot of stuff, right? Um, He's got two episodes of the Orville coming out, I think two, and then obviously a couple of, of uh, Discovery also. And I always <laughs> mispronounce her name, but Marina Sturitz. Sturtis. Sturtis, same thing. Yeah. She, she's, been a, she's been around doing a lot more. She's also guesting on the Orville soon. Right. And so I, th- I feel like they're just becoming more like, um, more and more into the public eye. Yeah. And it would not surprise me if it's because there's going to be at least a little bit of them in there. I can't imagine they wouldn't. They've got a guest in some way. It yeah. would be, honestly, it would be a shame if there wasn't yeah. even just an on-screen, you know, quick, you know, at, at the beginning of a scene, he's talking to Troy over the, you know, I was going to say the intercom, but over the uh, subspace or something like that. You know, something. I, I get if he's not the captain of a, of a starship again or, or whatever. I mean, he's, he's, how old is he? Is he 80 or something? I mean, he's, or he's in the seventies at least. Can, uh, can I, can yeah. I give my prediction? Can, can yeah, we do all it. do this? Just go around Let's really quick it. what it's going to be. Cause if you got one, I want to hear it, Let's but here's, it. here's what I would love to have happen. All right. You ready? Here we go. Yes. <clears throat> here's my pitch. CBS all access. If you're listening, it's free. <laughs> they are, they are. Unless you do it, then you need to pay me. Um, so the, I think it should be, uh, there is a crisis that happens. And the Federation uh, needs one man. And so they decide to make um, Picard the president of the Federation. Oh my uh, gosh. And, and it's a, the West Wing for the Federation. Oh he's, 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 he, he's not in the action, but he's like the president. <laughs> and he's got, you know, he's got to deal with this crisis and this alien race and diplomacy and all this kind of stuff. I mean, imagine that, guys. Imagine Ugh. West Wing Federation 
President Jean-Luc Picard. And that book was uh, actually already written just without, uh, without Captain Picard at the helm. And it was called Articles of the Federation. And that was written by a friend of the podcast, uh, Keith DeCandid. Right, oh, I wow. don't. Let me say that again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like swallowed my own spit. That didn't work really well. Just, I'm leaving this in. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. All right, uh, but that was done. Uh, Articles of the Federation, uh, written by Keith DeCandido, who uh, guested on the podcast. He wrote yeah. that episode in his or that that book. His his description for that book is uh, Star Trek does the West Wing. Oh wow! And See, I didn't. I hadn't read that. Yeah, it's. But who cares good. if it's Picard? It's so much better. Oh, it'll be way better. And and yeah, there's some good politics in it. But come on, add in Picard. Get out of here. Come on, come on. So I want to know how many um, actors from Deep Space Nine and Voyager and all the rest of the Star Trek family are coming in. Right. I mean, because we can finally have a shared universe. It's CBS yes. All Access. They own it all now. Uh, man, that would be amazing. It, just even if that's uh some kind of a conduit to get yeah all of them together in some in some fashion would be amazing and you know we haven't mentioned this sorry you just reminded me we haven't mentioned there's a uh, 30th anniversary deep space nine documentary coming out within the next year mm-hmm. as well a huge one they've been it was like i think a big kickstarter campaign uh, it's 25th it right 25th anniversary oh, it's, uh, sorry it was tng's 30 30th yeah they're 25th yep you're right yeah now we need like the next version of dax in there too somehow Oh, but we like Ezra, Ezra Dax. Do we? Do we? Okay. All right. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know what? Jedzia is my girl. <laughs> That's true. That's right. Ter- yes. ter- Terry Mrs. Farrell. Nimoy, you mean Mrs. Nimoy. Yeah. Terry, Terry Farrell, my last name. You know what I mean? I'm, I am. Oh, no, no. Jed Man, Zia. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break this to you. She's she's a Nimoy now. I'm sorry. What are you, you talking about? He's married yeah, to Adam Nimoy. married to Adam Nimoy. What? Yeah. How yes. did I not know that? I know. How it long was, is that? The last year. Yeah, I was oh. gonna say Donati, maybe a full year now. I think she just posted an anniversary thing, but yeah, uh, yeah. or a birthday. Yeah, that breaks my brain. I can't handle that. <laughs> I'll, I'll process that later, guys. Yeah, it's, we also need a trials of of um. You call Mini's character like just you know oh. something to to because he was in Next Generation. He was in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So we need him. You know, white haired, whatever, with with Keiko yelling at him, and he's got you know something going. Nagging on. and and Molly is going through like college or something like that oh my gosh guys <laughs> this is really horrifying maybe this isn't a good idea oh man well, I how old actually, I am. No, here's what this is molly is going through starfleet academy because they're talking about a cw like starfleet academy series That's oh no 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 two thumbs down no. i th- they've been talking about doing that for so long and i feel that like before i think even the first movie right all of the episodes of of next generation or deep space nine that deal with the academy are always my least favorite They're terrible They're always terrible. oh you mean the one where they change wesley's character fundamentally always yeah, they terrible yeah. i mean, just i don't they don't know what to do with it maybe if they get somebody like a like a joss whedon to come in and like yeah. really do it well but other than that man I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I think now. Gossip Girl, Starfleet Academy is. Oh. Shoot me now. Just shoot <laughs> me now. Yeah. That, that's when the actual apocalypse occurs. That's right. All, All right. right. Well, we've been talking well, about that long enough. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, take over. Take over, Tyler. As, as excited as we are about the, the Picard series, and, and we will continue to, to give you guys information about that as it comes up, we are going to get into the expanse. And so, what we've thought about is sort of a two part 
um, coverage of the expanse. We're going to do seasons one and two mm -hmm. as one block, kind of talking more about the the foundation and the overall view of the series, the worldview, the the characters, themes, and stuff like that. And then uh, doing a recap of season three, and that's largely because Chris and I have not yet watched season three. So uh, we were planning on doing that hopefully over the next two weeks and then getting you guys uh, a follow-up episode to this, which will, I would assume be maybe a bit more detailed because we're only covering one season. Now, uh, Kate, you have watched season three, correct? Oh yes. You have. How does it stack up? Just give us no, this. Whoa, I don't, I don't want to no? know. Don't even spoil this. No, no, oh, no, no, no. I just mean good or bad. No, you don't I want don't... me to tell you the badly it sucks. It's, it's, it's the best so season bad that it got canceled. Right, I mean that's that's it's really so bad. I got canceled. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> sure. uh, Basically, no, it, they they blow up the Rosie, they kill all the crew, and yeah. it's it's just you know Bobby and Avasarala drinking in a corner. Guys, together. I would watch that. I'm that, down. That <laughs> just Bobby and Avasarala sitting and talking. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. Which is basically what like three of the books are. It's great. Um, Wait, have you anyway. read the books? Oh yeah. I've not I've not read the newest one, um, but I've I'm, rising is the most recent. Right, so I'm through Babylon's uh, Babylon Ashes. Yeah, right, I'm very excited to talk to you because I was before we started recording. I was talking to Kate. I have not. I didn't. I knew that they were book series, but of course I I'm not familiar with them at all. So I'm very excited to hear what you what your guys's take because I've not read them. I know nothing about the series, the characters, all that kind of stuff. And what I've been saying is is that this expanse to me feels like Game of Thrones meets Battlestar Galactica. I think like 100%. That is, that is what this feels like because there's, there's, you know, different, you know, groups of people that are going to war and fight and there's intrigue and all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes Game of Thrones can get a little muddy, muddied in the details in the show if you're not familiar with what's happened in the books. And it's good to have a guide, a Sherpa, who's read those books. And you say, now, wait a minute, whoa, 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 what did that mean? And they're like, well, here's how that works. So I'm glad that you two are here to help me. Did you, did you feel that way? Just before we get into the overall stuff, did you feel that way? Did you ever get lost in the politics of it all? I, I've, I've been curious how much I've been filling in the gaps in my mind. Well, let, let me let me get to my kind of. Are we going to have a moment to, to talk about our overall thoughts? Because I think that I'll address that in my overall thoughts. Well, really quick, let's let's do this. Um, let's lay out a premise for the for the listeners, those who don't know exactly what the expanse is about, and maybe. Yeah. Uh, I will say, you know, we're not going to restrain ourselves with spoilers too much. So um, if if the premise that I'm about to give you intrigues you, stop the stop the episode and you know crank through two seasons of it really quick, and then yeah. and then come back and listen to the rest. But uh, and then yeah, let's let's get into overall thoughts, and we can dive into specifics from there. Um, so this, uh, this is an overall uh, look of the show, kind of the premise of where the show um, has, has gone so far. So if anybody wants to chime in, if there's something I'm missing, let me know. But essentially, this is set about 200 years in the future. We've got uh, something called the Epstein Drive that has revolutionized space travel. We haven't left the solar system yet, so this isn't Star Trek or Star Wars. We don't have warp drive, but we have this hyper-efficient Epstein Drive that has allowed us to begin colonizing uh, the system, uh, especially, particularly Mars and the outer asteroid belt. And with that, over the next 200 years, has given rise to a, a separate Martian culture. And they're in the process of terror, uh, I was going to say terrorizing, but terraforming Mars. Um, there are some terrorists there. And then uh, an, an asteroid belt outside of it where they've been mining. There's a, there's a group of people called the belters now that have been mining the asteroid belt for minerals and, and water and things like that. Um, but essentially these three groups of people, earth, Mars, and the belters have, uh, there's 
they've they've gone their separate ways culturally although earth and mars are really the the dominating political forces trying to hold sway over all the resources in the system and and this is where we begin um there is also a uh there's this this thing that's that's been discovered it's called this the proto molecule and it's been um discovered on one of the moons of saturn i believe and it is acting this is, like this a, is heavily spoilerish right this is like in the season one this, oh i'm really just saying the, i mean the 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 beginning of the of the first episode really right is is pretty much this this thing that has infected a moon that's that's really where i want to go with it there's a thing that's infected a moon and and it seems to be acting like a virus of some kind and and our heroes um, have to figure out what's going on. Our heroes from all different political uh, sides of the equation have to figure out what's going on. Is it man-made? Is it extraterrestrial? Is it a weapon of some kind? What is it? And how are they going to use it to destabilize or, or you know, hold power? So yeah, I, am I missing anything from the, the premise of it all? No, I want to make snarky comments, but I'm not going to. I'm going to wait. Make snarky comments. Can. Snarky comments are great. <clears throat> Well, no, no, okay. I, what overall, overall thoughts. Just uh, seasons one and two. Overall thoughts. Where are you? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Uh, what do you think, Chris? Um, I found season one needlessly um, uh, dense. Uh, it is very it, dense. It, it seemed really just confusing. Um, you know, here's what I'm going to say is I don't really like any of the characters in the show. There isn't one that I'm like, yeah. Oh, really? In fact, I don't even know the names of any of these characters. Uh, I don't, I don't even, I don't, they, the characters almost seem secondary to me in this, this show. Um, the, the overall story I can tell you all about now. I feel like the second season they they hit a stride. In fact, I texted you and I said, "Okay, season two, I'm in." At the yeah. end of season one, we're in spoilers now, right? I yes, so definitely. We're, we're we got to be in spoilers now. So the whole detective thing, the whole um, why he was so drawn to the girl made no sense. Period. Full stop. I have no idea. I would, I, there's a girl I, I, I've never met, yeah. but I, I, I kind of think she looks good. So I'm going to kill for the her. The first book is exactly know. like that. I, I think actually, I think uh, that, that Kate and I had a, a, almost an, the exact same conversation over text. I was living in Indonesia at the time when I was reading it and she had read, like I had heard of it before. I knew about the series. Um, Stephen King, I think, was my my intro to it. He tweeted hmm. or said something like, "This is the best space opera that's ever been," or he did a blurb on the cover, maybe. Wow, um, that's and, great. Right, and and so I I thought, well, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, so I'll pick it up. But uh, Kate, you had already read it, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you and I have nearly kept pace since then. But uh, although you're ahead of me now in the in the newest book, but I remember texting you after the first book or in the middle of the first book and thinking this is so dense i mean the exact same thing you're saying here is so dense it's a noir mystery in the middle of this weird awesome political landscape i don't understand it why is miller creepy um miller played by tom jane uh who i really really like uh in that role i think he does a great job in that role but is needlessly creepy with this random MacGuffin girl yeah, it, it literally makes no sense. I, I, and maybe, maybe you guys can explain it to me a little bit better why he was drawn. But for me, that entire 
thing didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I kept wanting to understand, like I was like, surely there's going to be a moment here in these last few episodes as we get nearer and nearer to him finding this, all this, whatever it is, uh, changed, turned into proto molecule, whatever it is, fusion that we're still learning more about on Venus now. But it just, for me, it just, maybe that all that makes sense. But the, the, the first season just felt so that, that, so that, so needlessly like hard to understand and hard to follow, hard to understand motives, I guess, is what I'm really trying to get out here. I just didn't understand the motives of these characters. And I felt a little bit the same and I'll, this I'll end here. Um, I felt a little bit the same. The what's the captain's name um, on the Rossi? Holden. James Holden. Holden's character. The last two episodes of season two, he just suddenly becomes yeah angry with everybody for some reason. Keeps like yelling at his pilot and his friends. He's like, "No, I'm going to do what I want." And he's like, "You're yeah. being a jerk. Why? Why?" I just I don't understand the motives of these characters. Um, so I don't really like any of them. I think my favorite character right now is. Um, Oh, what is her name? Naomi. Naomi. I love Naomi. Yeah. Naomi's great. Um, she's fantastic. And then my other favorite character is the, um, the ambassador, not the ambassador. The UN, the Avicerella. Yeah. Yes. Her. Those are my favorite characters. Um, the, the Martian girl. Bobby. You don't like Bobby. She's Uh, fine. She's fine, oh but not really. She's the nose that not there. There's just not that much there. Like I understand. We, I might be filling in stuff from the book. It is possible because she. I understand where we're going. I get it. In fact, I understood the the hook of this show at the end of season one. In yeah. that we've got this group of people over here, this group of people over here. Things are going to happen, and yeah. slowly they're going to meet. So yeah. I can see it already. We meet the Martian. We meet these other the the, the crew that we know and love, and this you know, political guys, slowly they're going to get together. So I got a feeling the beginning of season three, we're going to see the Martian girl and the cap, the, the, the Rossi crew meet up or team yeah. up or whatever at some point. So it's just, it, I can see all those kind of feel all those things kind of coming together, but I just don't, I don't understand why I don't, I don't know. So there I am. Uh, I enjoy the show overall. I like the overall political stuff. I like the political stuff a lot. Season two made it for me. I enjoy, it it became so much more streamlined, so much more focused. Everything was about one thing in season two. Season one, it was all over the place and just like, what is happening? It was all the scattered pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, season two is where it's at. In fact, I would almost say like, you could probably watch like a YouTube like recap, <laughs> recap. of season one <laughs> and then enjoy season two. Cause I think season two is infinitely better. I almost yeah. stopped watching the show, but after the first two episodes of season two, I was like, okay, I'll finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there I am guys. Tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> On all of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I mean, I, w- I don't know if I could recommend the show though. That's this thing. Like, I don't know if I could recommend the slog of season one. I just don't know if I can. Yeah, I, I would. They take some big risks with season one because um, season one is almost entirely world building and you get yeah. pieces of the characters, but you don't know why they matter or where they fit into the big picture. And you're yeah. trying to figure out why you care. Now, I know why I care because I've read the books, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that was a real risk to start that way and to not hold the hand of the viewer uh, 
because when you go back and rewatch it, there's so many more pieces and things that make sense and that you know once you've actually gotten a bigger picture, but you have to like, it rewards rewatching and it's almost necessary, I think. How many, or, uh, how much of the books had been written by the time? Do they follow the books pretty well? This for the season? most part. I mean, they bring some things in, uh, some characters in earlier and such, but you know, Leviathan Wakes, the first book is roughly season one. Season two is book It's two. one and a half, season one and a half. Right, and season yeah. three, like partway through into season three, they finish book two and start book three. See, I can buy that. I see season one and a half, I, I, like if they would have shortened season one and had it end um, about midway through where they did season two, yeah. I can see that being a better show. I just feel like season one was so like, where are we going guys? Okay. I yeah. get it. I understand. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I'm down. I'm cool. Cool. But what are we doing? What, what's, what's, what's that all about? Yeah. Uh, Miller's supposed death, you know, his, or his being shot into uh, Venus is where Wait, hang on. spoilers. Is. I have not seen season three, ladies and gentlemen, he's dead. Oh, no, right? I, have, I haven't even seen it either. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just mean, we've seen all we've done is seen him be shot into, uh, into Venus. That's the last right. thing uh, that we've seen that that is the end of Leviathan wakes um, is okay. the first book. Yeah. That makes total sense because that's the end right. of the story. It was and, so and weird. I, was, I would have been so mad if I was watching this. In I just wanted to see the end of that story, and that's why I kept watching. And I liked yeah. that they had slowly like chipped away at yeah. all of that stuff and streamlined everything and said, "No, we're not going to focus mm -hmm. on all that stuff anymore. Just focus on this." Yeah, and I think that you're actually you're exactly right. And I, I hadn't thought about it. And again, I had read when so worth. Let's see. I'm trying to think. When did the show start? Was it right after book four had come out? So it must have been three That's years ago. Question. Something like that. Yeah, um, I was going to say it was around book four. Because they've been about a book a year, haven't they? Yeah, they've kept to that. Um, and it's we say they, by the way, it's two people. James S.A. Corey is the, the writer of the books, but it's actually two people. Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham. Um, have It's a pen name for the both of them. So and you, they are writers on the show and um, executive producers and stuff like that. They are heavily involved in the show and heavily involved in even the PR for the show. They are, they regularly are on Twitter answering questions and stuff. It's, it's pretty great. Mm -hmm. um, but as to your question about how close they are to the books, it, it's very close except for, this sounds weird, uh, big minor things are very different. Uh, like Big minor things. I know, it's, it's strange. So like Holden's character, Holden in the books uh, is like, he's like Superman in terms of he's, he's, a, he's a Boy Scout. Holden is, is just the, the best, most upstanding person in the entire universe ever and instantly has, I think he is, instantly has the trust of, of uh, Avasarala and all these other people. See, that, that does not make sense in the show. Like right. why they're so, why they are so loyal to him makes no sense to me at all. It's like, why, why are these, there's no federation. They're, they, yeah. they're not, they're not tied to him. There's no like, if they don't like him, they can just literally walk away. They're, yeah. Why are they calling him the captain? He, it makes no sense. Is very much the captain kirk of of that show i mean there's just there everybody is unswervingly loyal to him um with with one or two exceptions but his crew is is for sure and avasarala is for sure uh or at least she trusts him um but then he gets super broody in in season two and i i feel like they were trying to just darken the show a little bit yeah. um but it's also been a while since i read book two so maybe there's a maybe he does get broody and i've forgotten about it um well season two of the show they're showing him with ptsd that's what they're up to with him. true 
True, true. And so that's where some of his erratic behavior yeah. is coming from, especially towards the end of the season. He's almost Ahab-ish in, in his pursuit of the proto-molecule hybrid thing, um, you know, where he, he risks himself and his crew and stuff like that to, to go after you, it. You know, I think a lot of the problem I have with that is, is that, like, it's just that he's not on screen enough. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when he is, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> I just don't like him on screen. I just... I don't know. It, it just it just didn't feel like to me like his character. They didn't deserve the way that he was treating the other people that he was sure. he was with. Sure. I did just, that, that didn't come across. Now that you've mentioned the PTSD, and I was like, oh, that's right. That is what happened yeah. at the beginning of the season. But like, I don't. It didn't. It didn't continue. That thread just wasn't. I, I got I got lost in my in my head while I was watching it. Yeah, for all the hero that he's supposed to be, he's also, um, they're not making him, you know, some Luke Skywalker who never seems to really, you know, deal emotionally in any real way over an extended period of time with what he's going through. True. And they do a lot of that in this show uh, where everyone's dealing with ramifications, you know, Prox with his daughter in season two, uh, Amos and his whole run from, you know, switching from how he feels about uh, Naomi to his trust in the captain, like all of this takes time to build. Uh, you have the, the fear and the terror of the situations going on. You really feel it when they're under fire and the, you know, they got holes being blown through the side oh. of the ship. It's terrifying. One of my favorite scenes in the entire show so far is is the the battle scene where they're going against the stealth ship and they're all in they're all in their vac suits and and then you, you just see bullets you know going through the the ship and oh man it's that's a cool scene. It's really. I cool thought you were going to pick the scene with Shed. Just you know. Which wait? Which scene is Shed? The exploding head scene. Oh well. Oh I do yeah, like that. that was that was that was nuts. Yeah, that was gnarly. I was, I, I was watching that on a plane. With <laughs> I was children too. all around me, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is this is a television show. What's happening right now?" That At was, least it's not like Game of Thrones, which you cannot, or Westworld, which you cannot watch on a plane. I have no, like, I have no, never mind. This is an etiquette <laughs> thing. I have no problem on my iPad watching whatever I want. Um, but the problem, the, the, it's just, for, it was kind of shocking because I was thinking this is sci-fi. By the way, there's a lot of cursing in this, especially in season two. It goes not from like. Sci-fi. It's it's nice streaming it. They've at, they've put the cursing back in. They actually like. Wow. They dub over did, it. Did they dub it in the yep. show in, on sci-fi? Yeah, because yeah, it felt like the beginning, the first season, um, they they were saying some weird like garbledy gook, almost like Battlestar Galactica with fracking. fracking they yeah. like would say, yeah, "Forget you" is used a lot. It's like mm, I don't think it's what you're saying. It was like oh. Gor- Goram, like even what they do in, Fra- in Firefly. Remember, like the Goram. They add in the the Mandarin swearing and stuff like that. Yeah, it was yeah. like that. But then all of a sudden in season two, it was like. Okay, all of the stops were taken off, and they were there's an F word every other word, and I was oh, like, man, when just, did this happen? Just wait for Amazon Prime. I can't. I'm so excited because Avasarella yeah. has the dirtiest mouth yes. in the entire solar system. And who is who is that? Avasarella, the, the UN, the UN lady, Shora, Shora Agdashlu. Yeah, is the she is so good in the show. Kind of oh, say she's, she's wonderful. Yes. She, she's the I, MVP. I, yeah. She, she she's the Picard. Like that, that's the yes. thing I love about her is that she's like she is. She can tell that she understands how the game is played, and she's oh, like, yeah. poker, and you just love watching her play poker. Like it, it's like and, it's fun. And she looks very good while doing it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. In front of them, like the the scene where where they're all deciding um, whether or not Mars will attack them, and they've shot all of the nuclear you know missiles at them and stuff. And do you trust you know do you trust who to to have the codes for this stuff? And she's sitting there at the table, cool, calm, and collected, and just playing 
different people off of each other and you know what's going on and you know but it, but you're like oh is she how crazy is she like will she let these nukes all mm-hmm. blow up you know eros and and rain hell down on earth or is it you know or what oh she's yeah. brilliant right. meanwhile the next to the last episode of season two she's getting like kind of space sick as she's in the shuttle yes. the flight it's just like the human sides of her in the midst or the moments where she has grief where her friend died yes. or- they have yeah. that in the midst of this woman who's just out there, not just ruling Earth, but she's playing the universe. And I have to agree with you. I think she is the best well-rounded character. Just for the min- the things you just mentioned, Kate, is, is that like she is, she feels human. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, many of these characters just to me didn't feel that way, but she does because she not she has a goal and she's going to play this this character, but at the same time, underneath that are these very interesting, um, deep layers that, like you said, when her, the Martian ambassador dies in the first, I think that was in the first season, maybe the beginning of the second season, whenever that was, she was, she griefed the, the relationship she had with her, um, her husband relationship, um, that she had, or not relationship, but the way she was able to talk to, um, the captain's mom in those that episode whenever yeah. that was when oh, she went yeah. to that farm holden's like, mom yeah yeah holden's mom like really just really great performances very very subtle and yet um very well she's a great actress that's all i can say is is, is really well well formed I, I do enjoy her quite a bit and of all the of all the actors that they have chosen for the show she is the one that most perfectly matches her book character in in the way she looks she comes across the works she there they could not have cast a better person she's who i had in mind while reading the book i mean it was mm-hmm. it was the perfect casting just like sean bean was who i had in mind for ned stark for game of thrones when when reading it too it nice was, it's so just funny because he's gonna die because he dies <laughs> he, yes. he dies yeah. in everything in everything um <laughs> Yeah, love love Avicerella. and and just because we've sort of already mentioned the beginning of their relationship, um, Bobby and Avicerella. We you Chris have only seen like two scenes with them together, basically. Just uh, when 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 Bobby um, goes to the beach, and when uh, goes to the beach when she cr- crawls out the sewer drain to the to the ocean. Bob, um, Bobby's and, the Martian. Oh, Bobby's the Martian. The Martian. Uh, uh, commando. The the sergeant. The gunny. Okay. Um, yeah. What do you think of Bobby overall? Other than you don't remember who she is, it sounds like so. No, that's the problem. I don't know her name. Oh, man. Um, I don't, I, do, I just don't. I, I don't know. It's written on her little patch at the. On Bobby? Her yes, it says Bobby. I don't know, man. I, don't, I, I, I must not be paying attention. It's fine. It's fine. I, I get she's, it. She is interesting in that. Hmm, how do I say this? I, I don't want to be mean here, but I don't think she's that great of an actress. Um, I don't know that it just. It, I know by her as being like the Martian badass that she's supposed to be. I, I, I don't know, dude. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't, she's not working for me. I understand no. what they're trying to do. I get that she's trying to find redemption and I get, I understand that she's trying to do the right thing. She feels like the character Holden's character, what you're describing where she's like the one who will follow orders and is righteous. And once she understands how something works, she's going to, follow it to its, you know, to its end. I just, yeah. don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if this will make you feel any better, Chris, but she is the most controversial uh, casting on the show. Okay. Um, and uh, Bobby is like a fan favorite 
probably my second favorite, but the first favorite of most fans. And she, uh, Frankie Adams, the actress, is is not even close to how I pictured no. Bobby. And I've come to accept her as the show Bobby, but the book Bobby just is a lot. You believe her as the badass that she is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I've listened to Ty Frank defend the casting of uh, Frankie Adams, and he exp- he talks about how in person, when you're around her, you don't doubt that she is Bobby. And so I'm wondering what doesn't translate onto screen mm. from the in person experience. Accept <sighs> her. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what because I've not heard any of this. I've not honestly all I've done is watch the show, so I don't I haven't been on Reddit. I haven't looked at. Because I, I I didn't want to read the books, so it's no, I haven't read the books. I, I I'm coming at this purely from I've binged this over the last month, month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I don't know. I she just isn't approachable. Um, in in, in the way that I've met her so far, she's been kind of um almost childlike in the way that she had like one thing she was going to go do and then she gets hurt and now she feels betrayed. It just feels a little bit too painted with a broad brush. It doesn't feel like I should care all that much. It feels more like she is going to be the key for something else rather Mm. than her being interesting on her own. She's one where I've wondered if with Amazon getting season four on, they've talked about, uh, the writers of the show have talked about several times where they wanted more room to explore characters and their backstories and their dynamics. And the 43 minute format of cable just did not give them that opportunity. Um, So I'm hopeful that we will get more of that where they can have longer episodes once you go to 58, not worrying about commercials or something like that. Can I just say, just just for my own, just for my own um, saying, it says Draper on her um, badge, not Bobby. Okay. So (laughs) I think I'm pretty much justified. I was like, man, if it said Bobby, I I got a friend of mine, one of of my very good friends is Bobby. I was like, man, I would feel like I would have known. I just don't feel like they do enough good enough job of branding her. I understand yeah. the character she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be the Martian super soldier who turns and the ultra patriotic states evidence. Yeah. yeah, and it's really it's really hard. And you know, and now Marsh, Mar- Mars is mad at Earth because of this and that. I get it. I just I don't know. I understand why she's. I understand why people would think that that's controversial. I just, I didn't, I'm not buying her as that, or the writing isn't giving me, yeah. the storytelling isn't giving me the-, the I would peg that one on the writing, at least at this point in the long, because in the, in the books, she is a lot fuller of a character. You understand more of who she is as, as a woman, as a Martian, why she's in the military. Um, they actually changed a fair bit of how they introduced her in the Oh show. yeah, she's, she's introduced- uh, a full storyline, like her first scene in the book, if I'm remembering correctly, it, it, her first scene is the tragedy on Ganymede where her whole yeah. crew is killed. That's the first time you see her is yeah. everybody around her dies. And the uh, first, the first several times we meet her in the show, like I was literally just about to bring this up when you said it. Cause I, I'm the way that I re, re, review these is I go to IMDB and I look through the pictures that they have on IMDB oh, yeah. and I'm reminded of moments and I'm looking right now at her talking to um, her CO mm-hmm. um, when we're first introduced to her and that's one of the she rubbed me the wrong way there because all she wanted to do was kill earthers yeah. right True. and she just kept saying and it just was like I don't who cares I don't True. go do something cool and make me care about your character Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like it happened to her rather than 
her making the decision to change. Sure. So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at. I know she's making that right now. And there's that beautiful moment on the beach. And of course now she's protecting my favorite character. So yes. yeah, I'm becoming, she's more becoming more endeared to me, but that just only happened in the last two episodes. <laughs> True. And, and that probably really does speak to, uh, I'm filling in book uh, her, uh, gaps in her TV character with, uh, elements from the book because I'm, I'm sitting there going like, Oh my gosh, I love Bobby. And I had no problem actually with her portrayal in terms of, in terms of differences from the book. I, I just like, uh, I, I just kind of assumed a lot of them were cosmetic in terms of, I didn't, I, I just didn't picture her, but you know, that's fine. Um, except, so it's weird though, that, that, uh, Avasarala and Naomi are exactly precisely to AT who I, who I pictured, um, as, as those, those two characters, Bobby was very different. Um, but whatever I filled, I filled it in. Um, but the of Bobby yeah. in that form, I think is really good because in so many shows, we just have one, maybe two interesting female characters who have to carry the entire load of everything right. that it means to be a woman on the show. And in here we have multiple women who are playing interesting roles. They're, they're not all the same version of that. And so we can have, you know, a, a Marine gunnery sergeant who yeah. is, is kind of emotionally locked up and, and everything that goes with that because we can also have a Naomi and we have a drummer and we have a Sarla. It all yeah. works really well. And I'm, that's one of the things I like about the show. I wish there were even more women on the show, but we have, I think, good representation there. And as far as I'm concerned, actually, the, the women are the three most interesting characters on the show. Um, yeah. I Naomi and you mentioned I think Chris you you enjoyed Naomi what did you what did you think about her or did you want to go back to Bobby no 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 those are my two favorite characters yeah um, what about Naomi Naomi's great in fact while I was watching her I could not help but think now wait a minute Star Trek Discovery right the look of uh, um, I don't know about this this seemed a little too almost like man come on this this yeah. was you know, I don't know. I, obviously, she's her own character. I think she's fully formed. I like her backstory. In fact, I found that to be the most interesting in season one, where oh, you don't know if she's OPA and what her what her her you know her history is and what she's done and all that kind of stuff. I find that interesting. Yeah, I, I like her. I like her quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then you have her moment at the end of season two where she's admitting that she's given the protomolecule to Fred Johnson oh. and that like just flips everything on its head again. But yeah. before that though, the most, the, the, the best, I think most emotional moment of her just willing to give up her life. Yes. Um, her willing to like, no, no, I'm going to sacrifice my life for 52 others to board this yes. ship. You know, that, so that, that stuff, like I, I resonated with her so much there. I was like, yes, you're doing the right thing. You're going to, you know, you're going to put your, your, whatever your, your crewmate to sleep. And then you're going to go do the right thing because you believe that that's the right thing to do is the ethical thing to do is to save these people. And so I, I I liked all of that. That was all very, very good. That was the scene in the season that earned a tear out of me. (laughs) Yeah. And I have to say that's the distinction between this and, and Star Trek for me. And that's why I kind of would peg this down a little bit like lower sci-fi. And then I feel like the expanse isn't really trying to say too much in my opinion. Now maybe you guys can say, but like as far as like what a society can be and the choices that we make and how to be ethical. And like, there's like the subtext, the, the, the expanse is more of an adventure noir at the first season. Anyway, season and a half 
with um, sci-fi elements and war and all that kind of stuff, but I don't really feel too much subtext there. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, There's a lot of subtext going on. Yeah, I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. When I I finished an episode of The Expanse, I wasn't thinking to myself, now that's good sci-fi. It made me think, made me think about where I am right now. I just, I don't know. That's why- I see Star Trek as aspirational science fiction. Yes. And this is not aspirational science fiction. This is dispelling the notion that the progress that comes with technology makes humans somehow better to each other in the future. This is more like now in the future. It's it. So building upon that, that's exactly how I, how I saw it. Earth is this faux utopia. Um, at at this point, um, two two hundred years in the future is a faux utopia um, because they the way that they t- if you think really listen to how they talk about it, um, they describe it exactly the way, or not exactly, but very similar to the way that Star Trek describes it. There is no except without the, the the no poverty. There is no there's no need to work on Earth. There's no need to to do any of this. The government um, takes care of everything except Star Trek takes that in the utopian way and says, so now we can all be as self-actualized people as we possibly can be start, you know, we can uh, just work for the sake of working because there's no need for this. Whereas on earth, especially when Bobby gets there and we get to see it from outsiders eyes. um, No, you're right. They don't have to work, but it also leads to this, you know, seedy underbelly of, you know, there's, there's drug trade and crime and prostitution Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um, because it's not, that utopia that it looks like you, you, they get those nice um, uh, New York skyscapes, you know, these, this, the cool, almost Star Trekian, you know, built up New York. And then you see the underbelly, which I think that's the biggest difference between Star Trek and, and the expanse in terms of the earth's culture. Okay. I just feel like that's stretching to me. Like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take a step back because I know that I just I threw like a whatever <laughs> a, a grenade into the in, into the, but for me all of that felt kind of surface level. Like uh, with the what the show as a whole is trying to do, I think is just oh, yeah. is not necessarily interesting in asking big questions, but more about like telling a good story, um, and that's yeah. fine. But I just don't I. That's what I'm saying. It's just different what I'm looking for in sci-fi. And that's why I think it's okay. It's, it's, it's just not as like, I don't know, asking as interesting questions as I want. You know, Game of Thrones is not asking interesting questions either. I'm not, I'm not saying everything has to, but I'm just saying for me, this is not that level of science fiction where you take that, the actual like, what I would consider to be really good science fiction is that I watch a science fiction movie or television show. And afterwards I think, what is that thing trying to tell me about my life right now? Like what, what is that mirroring onto me? And I'm like, okay, I'm a better person now because I've seen that and I don't want that to happen. Or I'm a better person now because I've seen that and I do want that to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And they can talk about these racism issues or these um, political issues or these uh, tough issues that if we were to discuss them head on, they would be, you know, hard to approach, but because they've done it with this veneer of sci-fi, I'm able to come in and be like, Oh, I can handle this. Oh, wait a minute. That's what it's saying, man. I need to think about this. Like, I love that, but that's not really what this is, what this is doing. And that's fine. I'm, I'm just, never mind. I'm sorry. I shouldn't even brought it up. Hey. Well, that's a good conversation point though, because I think Star Trek is a, a lot more upfront about it. Yes. Think, um, All the nose. Yeah. 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 Whereas, no, totally. 
dance is is more meta and more nuanced because it's it's like one of the questions one of the themes that runs through the whole show is what does it mean to be a hero and what is it like how does that actually play out in the real world not in some fantasy and so you know holden is your you know don quixote and the rosinante you know tilting at windmills he's you know in the in the episode where uh, avasarella goes to talk to his mom she comes to understand that he's sort of been wound up to fight at injustice in these hopeless battles and so he is one kind of hero we have thomas jane uh, playing detective miller who is this guy who lost his way. He was, you know, the street kid functionally who lost his way. And this one case somehow gets to him in a way nothing else has. And he starts realizing what he needs to be doing. And he's, it's, it's kind of a tragic um, story arc for him, this death run where he's trying to make things right again. And then you know, he's been a part of the problem for a long time too. He's been a right. corrupt cop and, and all this stuff. Yeah. Right. You have Amos, who is kind of a type of all these action movies where you had this big buff shoot 'em up guy who has no real morals. And, you know, th- we like them because it's, you know, killing the bad guys. And he doesn't really have a conscience like um, Naomi and Holden are his external consciences that tell him what's right and wrong. So he's another ver- type of a hero that we like to watch in movies. But in this case, they're like taking a step back and showing, you know what? that type of guy who just likes to kill things, there are problems with this kind of hero. And that kind of echoes the whole way throughout. You've got Fred Johnson, who was supposed to be some big military hero, and then he makes a really big mistake. And, you know, how does he rebuild his life after doing something so horrible? There's just like person after person throughout this that examines the question of what does it mean to be a hero? Do you have to be a hero to be a change maker? Um, I could go on, but I'll let you guys get in a word. No, I'm with you. No, I think that Fred Johnson is a wonderful character as well. Like I, I, he's not in the show enough from what I, from, from he was in it for when he was in season two, the complexity of him going from, I think it took the easy way out a little bit with his character. Um, in that like, it wasn't actually his fault that he killed all those people. Um, and they're trying to make him more relatable. Um, but, you know, the interesting, like you know, almost the Maquis, if you guys, you know, follow my reference, um, the Maquis where, you know, like they do extreme things for the right reasons or for what they think are the right reasons. Um, and how do we deal with terrorism and how do we like, all those things are very interesting questions that really work well in today's, you know, day and age. Well, I, so, I think I love that. He's, he's almost the anti Cisco in, in a lot of ways too, where yeah, you know, he's that's running- a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And and this and he's not. Ooh, even Bob, the more that I think about it, it works because he's not. He's not a Belter, but he's leading the Belters, just like Cisco is the emissary, but he's yeah. not the Joran. Guys, I just write a report. It. Write a report. Uh, yeah, like, I'm gonna email Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank and let them know I figured <laughs> that. Uh, and they'll say nice. that's exactly what we planned the whole time. Um, what I, I like do, we, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what I feel I like, like I've gotten us all. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler. I keep. You're, you're fine. I feel like I've gotten us all like discombobulated with this with this argument. I, I apologize in advance no. to our listeners. Who, if no, I, if I fall on a... But I think I think that dealing trying to deal with are there themes? Are there deeper themes of this? Is exactly mm-hmm. it because I, I would agree that um, I would agree that a lot of the themes are not readily apparent. They are not. Um, and, and again, it's very possible that, that both of us, um, or at least me are once again, filling in gaps from, from the book that, you know, there's depth in the book that maybe isn't there and, and I'm reading into it or viewing into it. Um, I think one of the huge things is human nature. And especially if we put that in contrast with Star Trek, 
where and then that's a lot of why people had a problem with this year's uh star trek discovery is because star trek has always been utopian mm-hmm. it has always been this thing that we aspire for and it's it's we aren't there yet but someday we might be and, and discovery showed us they aren't there yet either you mm-hmm. know and um and expanse isn't concerned with with aspirational it is a dystopia yeah Yeah. it is not concerned with you know will will we all be um will will us as society will the solar system be this utopia eventually and it's more concerned uh, you know very in a very postmodern way it's it's very concerned with the individual um you know self-actualizing or or becoming better because like like uh kate mentioned um uh, amos right amos is this amoral um, guy who will he will kill you as soon as look at you um, or as soon as you know looking at Naomi the wrong way um, and did, did he remind you of Jane from Firefly without oh, any absolutely. humor okay I, as soon as I met him I was like yes. this, this guy seems like he is know. a less funny Jane <laughs> yeah <laughs> much much less there is no humor in fact it's like it's almost like um, he and Alex merged together would become Jane. Um, yeah. I like Alex. He's not as deep in the show as, as he is in the book. And, and to be fair, he no. gets deeper in the books later on. Um, he's kind of just the hillbilly, you know, pilot uh, early on in the books. He's, and, uh, he's subtle as well, because you realize he's the only character without significant relationships in his life. He yes. survives the down journey, never tells his family. Like there's all these little things where his, his closest relationship is kind of with the ship itself. Right. There's a lot of subtlety that tells you about who he is. And in many ways he's, he's out of his depth with the others. I mean, they're all out of their depth to an extent, but you know, he, he was never a gunship pilot and now he no. is and he's doing all of these things. Um, and he's in some ways, I think he's the most humanly relatable um, of the Rossi crew in terms of, you know, there's this everyday guy who's like crowing when he gets to do cool things yeah. and you know, listening to his music. Like he's doing all these things that you can understand and relate to far more than, you know, being uh, um, any of the, the rest of the crew, I think. And he's one of the smartest ones too. He's yeah. actually like a, um, a strategist rather than just m- most of the others are kind of run and gun. Let's just take care of the problem. He actually sits back and be like, no, wait a minute, guys, let's look at this map on this table we've got here. Yeah. And, and he, yeah. then he, then there's exposition that happens. And I'm just like, what? Okay, sure. <laughs> let's go. Let's I, do it. I, I like it. And, and just like you said, yeah, he looks at the big picture when they're planning that, that whole attack on the stealth ship or he figures out, here's how I'm going to get, um, down to Ganymede without, you know, without, uh, or with only thrusters, he, you know, that weird loop throughout the whole solar system, he figures out they can do it. Yeah. I was thinking um, of that. Exactly. I was like, what? Yeah. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Sure. Show. <laughs> well, Let's do that thing. Let's go. That is definitely something the book explains much more than, than the show does the, the, oh, I'm sure. the physics yeah. of it all is super cool. Uh, it's super weird. And I am not a physics guy, but like it's it, that part of sci-fi is super interesting how they have to how they how they work it so anyway that's that's a there's a short story you could read that that really explains it but gravity alone is a great just way of they're trying to make this more realistic and to make it this isn't star trek where we just have gravity this isn't star wars where we just have gravity by using thrust gravity in those moments like when jane's floating and then they start off and oh, yeah <laughs> you, you it looks it looks off. really cool it really does look cool when they say yeah. we're going zero or whatever and then all of a sudden everything starts to float right. and got like the uh the the energy drink cans all over the I place. loved that. I it's, and he he's he's having fun in zero G, like where he, he 
what is he, he throws some of the the globs of energy drink out into the space and then does a backflip yeah. to try and catch them yeah. in his mouth i was like that's that's exactly what i thought when you said he's the everyman i was like yeah, i agree i yeah. would do that 100 percent. Yeah, yeah totally you're right you're absolutely right yeah. so uh the the last thematic thing and then and then uh i think we can kind of do just wraps up with highs and lows and where it fits into science fiction overall um but is is I think what it is trying to do is say something about how humanity does need to join together instead of being this fractured mess across all of the solar system. And um, the Rosinante is, is an exact um, example of that. Um, uh, Holden is an earther. Naomi is a belter and um, uh, Alex is from Mars and just Amos goes wherever Naomi goes. So it's, it's fine. But, uh, but he's also an earther. And so they've got this, this little UN inside or solar system UN inside of the Rosinante, meaning they can be a truly free agent um, in the, in the system. They're not, they're not really tied. Everybody sort of is figuring out they might have their own agenda, but in the end they are this family that has to stick together in order to survive. And I, and I do like what that one is, what that one is saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I don't think that um, the expanse is any more of a dystopia than the current world we live in is a dystopia, yeah. um, which I think is kind of one of the more profound, subtle things that it's saying, because we have, you know, the belters, how they're being used and abused. Like Thomas Jane, the little detail of his uh, spine with the vertebra there where he didn't get the proper, his family couldn't afford, you know, the proper, you know, vitamin shots or whatever when he was a kid. So all these, you know, little deformities and problems that everyone has, it, it, these things are part of our world now. And I think um, the show in its context works really well with Star Trek because it's the whole, we want Star Trek to be our future. And this is the, the check on that of if we don't do more in our world now than we already are, the expanse is the kind of future we have to look forward to. Yeah. And, and Chris, did you pick up on why that was that way? I can't remember how much the show did it. Why, why his spine was all messed up and stuff like that. I don't even remember that. No. Or why all the belters are super tall. All of them are super tall. It, the zero G or the, the less than, than full gravity has made their spines start to um, expand. And so they're all I, deformed and stuff. I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even pick well, up that the belters are taller than everybody else. Cause there's never a moment where that happens. Maybe they mentioned that in exposition at some point, but like the, I guess probably the budget of the show couldn't have done yeah. like a hobbit you know, or, or even did you pick up the different language and the dialect and stuff like that, that, yeah, that can be really that. super annoying. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That's really super annoying. I love like it. They them all of a sudden just go into like this yeah. strange, uh, accent. It's a form of Creole. <laughs> yeah. And some of it, some of them do it and some of them don't. And, and then some of them sometimes do and some of them some you know it just i don't know it just seems super there's inconsistent a, there's a hierarchy inside the belters of who, i'm sure who i'm sure it all makes sense and i'm sure there's some there's a script supervisor and that that makes sure that all of that is done correctly and i'm probably wrong but as for me as a viewer it just seemed a little um inconsistent Delta Loda. <laughs> yeah. 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 That kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like, like the young kid um, that. Um, oh, love him. Yeah. That, that joins. Like he has a, has, there's a lot of those. Like, so I just assumed it was more like somebody like that is more tuned into the belter way. Like the more, the closer you are to being a zealot, the more you speak like that. That's kind of where I kind of came from is what I was getting out of it. So. 
I, I could take, I could take that. I, I think the big thing is this low, the lower class almost or the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause, cause uh, Miller, Thomas Jane, he's, he's outside of that a little bit. He's cause he's kind of almost a sellout to the, you know, to the man. And to so he man. doesn't speak like that too much. Naomi as right. well, you know, but, but then they'll do the things, you know, it, we could go way into this, but yeah, like there's the hand signals or the, the gestures where she, they tap their chest and stuff is because they grew, they grew up without, um, not necessarily having um, uh, communication in spacesuits, and so they had. There's a right. whole hand system that's kind of cool. But um, anyway, moving. <laughs> Kate, what were you about to say? Nerdy. Yeah, go for it. Kate was about I to say something. We can we can move on because <laughs> there's a lot of little details like that that are really cool for for physics nerds, for culture nerds, and so that's where the show feels deeper. The more of this. Yeah nerdy background you have for parts of it and i don't disagree with you i just don't feel like they're on screen enough for somebody who is casual to understand that the subtlety there and perhaps there is there is a whole deep like they they design an entire language or they're really blah 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 blah. but you as a book reader probably understand that and are looking for it and so when you see it on the screen you're like oh there it is there's that thing that i i know and it's important and all that but for me it just is a moment they do this yeah. And that's all that, okay, I get it that that's like an endearing moment, but I don't, I don't understand so why. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tougher for a casual viewer. Certainly for me, it's not just a book thing. It's, it's a world building thing. Sure. Uh, because whenever you, like, for instance, in, where Tyler was talking about uh, the height aspect, uh, our current astronauts spending time on the space station, they've got to like exercise two hours a day to maintain any kind of muscle mass because yeah. of the gravity thing. And so like all these nerdy little things are baked into it. There's a, a moment that they don't explain where they're on the station and Naomi like picks up the dust and it swirls. And from that, she can tell where they are on the station. If you know the Coriolis effect, you understand what she's doing. If you don't, you sort of get the idea of, oh, she's just doing some, you know, weird belter stuff. And it's like, you know, uh, someone who knows how to track in the woods. Like, you don't see what they're seeing. They just that's, it, you know? that's exactly right. It just seemed like a, an Indiana Jones moment, picking up the sand and like, I, I'm feeling the earth or I'm feeling where I came from so I can tell what's going on. That's what I took from that moment. Well, and I think that's that's a fair criticism of the show. And not necessarily a criticism, but... Uh, but actually it, maybe it sounds like it because there are things that, that might have grabbed you that they, that they could have put in that might have grabbed you a little stronger if, if it could have been incorporated in rather than maybe some other things. But, um, but I mean, it's, it's a television show they, yeah, they, yeah. They, you they can't, can you can't do all that. And I understand why. And I like the idea that as long as what they're doing is consistent. That's yeah. all that really, and, and of course, if there's somebody that is making sure of that and you guys feel that way, that's great. It's just for me, I didn't catch it and it wasn't, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say consistent enough. I should, what I should say is it wasn't often enough. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, I wasn't continuously getting that. And so it would happen, something like that would happen, a cultural reference or a, an understanding of how things work in the future. And then it wasn't for another six episodes till we get another call back. I just forgotten what they said six episodes right. ago. So there wasn't like a connection point being made right. for me. Yeah. Right. I think this the show is actually important for the fact that it is doing that though, because so sure. many shows we have the the boring techno babble or the explanation that's clearly just for the viewer and isn't really doing anything for the scene or for the plot, and you just sort of reach that eye roll point. And we don't yeah. quite have enough shows that just sort of ex, you know expect the viewer to work a little harder to uh, not get everything. Certainly not in the first go. I, I kind of like that that's playing towards the mature SF viewer. Um, and even if it's not going to, you're not going to get everything, there's more to discover because of it. 
Yeah, I feel like what Kate is basically saying is is that I'm not paying attention. Uh, and that's what we're I'm not saying. good that's, enough. That's what, what we're I'm saying, saying is you've got to watch it more than once. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, I just know I can feel this happening on Twitter. Chris is an idiot. You know, what I mean? like, you know this is all, all stuff is super obvious. What does he think? Okay, all when right, I all right. I understand. Show, I understand. Guys. When I post the show later on, that's that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, listen to Chris being an idiot. Uh, yeah. And well, give us your my, welcome to my life. In fact, maybe I should put that in my Twitter profile that's right watch me be an idiot um, yeah how about a nicer term for that would be chris is our every man in this oh. that's right that's Even right you better know, he's Even the relatable better. guy I, all i've ever all i've ever wanted to be was average <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, all i've ever wanted speaking of speaking of being average uh just Ouch. kind of before we before we get into where this fits into science fiction overall, what about the highs and lows? Just uh, really quick, rattle them off. Um, favorite moments, worst moments, just things you hated, things you loved of the uh, show in general that we haven't hit. Wow, wow, wow. I think the things that didn't pay, the, the Thomas Jane storyline didn't pay off for me all that well. I still don't understand it. I would love for you guys to explain it to me. I don't understand what happened or why it happened. Um, that seems up in the air. Maybe that's something that's going to be explained in season three or, or going on forward. Um, so that was a little disappointing and weird to me, him walking in and finding the, the woman that's been in his dreams the entire time, just kind of blue room stuff happening. Yeah. Sure. I'll go with you and blow into Venus. What, what? I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Um, maybe it makes sense, but I don't, that was, it's still kind of frustrating to me. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously the end of this season they're getting closer and closer to that event. So I'm going to guess that that will be explained. So that's why I'm kind of just in good faith saying they're going to get back to it. They're, we're going to understand why he was so needed to do this. There was a, there's a reason. Um, so that was probably my, my number, my number one, like disappointment, like weird moment that still hasn't been addressed. Without speaking to that in too much detail. And, and again, I don't know if the show is going to do different things, you know, than, than right. the book has, because they have done some different things. I would say that there's been some good setup for things that will pay off. Okay. Uh, that should pay off if they, if they good. do it the way that they did, or I assume even however they will do it, it should, it should pay off nicely. Um, That's yeah. it. Uh, what about you, Kate? Anything that uh, highs, lows? Things um, that stand out? So I uh, totally, my number one favorite thing from season one is Tycho Station. I was having Space Station geek out. Uh, I thought they did a really great job of that. It actually made it on the cover of a physics, an official physics journal um, because yeah. of how well they did with that. So that's just a bit of nerdery from season one. Um, season two, we I'd already mentioned the refugee scene. I, I, that, you know, that earned a tear. That doesn't happen that often. Yeah, and so that was yeah. That was great. Really well acted, really well written. They just, that was spot on. Yep. Um, I think also, uh, I mean, just the last two episodes really of season two, the way they ramp it up and everything, those are really strong episodes. You're, you're feeling the tension, you're feeling the fear, you're feeling all of that. They do a really good job with the writing, with the acting, the works. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, my, my lows, I think this actually mirrors the book and I know he's important because of the reveal that um, somehow these children that have been taken are, um, you know, becoming these hybrid proto-molecule monsters in some way. Um, 
which actually I kind of forgot about <laughs> a little bit from the book. So, but I, I you know, the title is Caliban. I know, Caliban is half human, half monster from mythology. I, no, I know, and I I couldn't remember why. <laughs> I couldn't remember why it was why it was Caliban. Who was the half monster? I mean, when when she was introduced, I remembered, but but I was like, I I could not thinking back on Prax, which is a great name. Um, I was like, what is the heck is his storyline even about? I just saw that he was coming up, and and that was it. Um, I think he is underdone in the in both the books and the in the show, but certainly in the show, he kind of just shows up and then is. Who is this? Who is this? The, the, um, the guy who's lost his daughter. Um, who's oh, his daughter. who's like planting stuff on the Rosie? Yeah, yeah. I I I never loved him. I think he's underused. Um, but that's actually I, a really fair criticism because I didn't like him as, as much in the show as I did in the book. Right. I fully disagree. I love him. Oh, did you? Wow. What, I what like him. In fact, in fact, because he's he's likable and he has a sure, reason he, he has a reason for existing. Like I, I, it's clear he wants to find his daughter. True. Like so, the entire time, I the the reasons why he's doing everything, I understand exactly why he's doing A to B. It's to get to his daughter. I have True. two daughters. I do I the exact same. It doesn't matter. Yes, I'm going to go with you. Where True. are you going? You went back to where my daughter is. Yeah, I'm going to go. She's probably dead. I don't care. I'm not sure. I'm coming with you. Let's go. Like, I just don't shoot that thing. It might be my daughter. Like, I just, I I like all that stuff really made a lot of sense to me. His his character is simple and yet I think still really relatable and easy to to understand. Like, oh yeah, no, I understand what that dude's, what his point is, why he's there. He also has one of the best scenes of season two when he'd been warned by Amos to put the to secure the drill and he doesn't and yeah, then the flying around it's flying. It was so it was like funny, terrifying. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Uh, the the only other things that that we just should mention, I think, are the visual effects, um, which are phenomenal. They are phenomenal. But actually, there is one moment in that 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 visual effects that did bother me, and of one of the moments in the from the first season, and maybe the second season, that was like, really, guys. There's a scene where uh, Fred Johnson they they're shooting all the the missiles, right? Uh, oh yes. And I then they know. they catch it with a net. Yes. What? <laughs> what they're all no defense. spot like what like I mean, this is space it's space yeah. and it's a net like that was the one thing i was just like wait is that was really it? and they showed it multiple times too like they like previously on the expanse yeah. and then like there's the net again i was like guys stop showing that it's the worst That's was the, the net in the book or because I, I remember them hacking into the guidance system i don't remember the net being in the books because i was i was surprised by seeing that as well this is really weird that's a yeah. detail i don't remember and one i really can't defend yeah <laughs> it's just so yeah. strange to me like because like you said the rest of it's really cool like science stuff but like when you think about how big space is and where yeah. those missiles would be going that they're all like literally in this little small cluster of you know even if those were a hundred miles it just doesn't it yeah the, the the visual of that just seemed really silly to me so the yeah the, but everything else in the show looks amazing it really does look good it's a good looking show so listeners can tell us why we're completely wrong about the net there's a great <laughs> science explanation that we don't know about well because nets are really good at catching things so <laughs> it was it was a ten thousand mile long net you don't know <laughs> maybe man maybe that was the, the the easiest way rather than like taking ships out to just get them like yeah i don't know i just seemed or hacking the guidance system which they can do so why didn't they just just shoot them back but whatever it's fine yeah it was just a silly moment that i remember thinking wow that's a silly moment and so when you said is there anything you remember and i was like that is one of them that net was just really strange to me and uh yeah i i, I completely agree i think 
Battlestar Galactica was for me the bar of good good at tv sci-fi uh for so long because they didn't they weren't too outrageous there were a few moments in Battlestar galactica that that were like oh okay that's too much but uh in terms of sci-fi basically whenever they showed a human cg uh it was it didn't work um but in this i think they've done it they've done an amazing job especially with the ships and how the ships have worked and the physics going on um it, just even the ganymede the mirrors on on ganymede when they're all falling and and busting up the um the the hydroponics bay thing essentially um, reminded me of gravity. I was like, you, you did that really well. And you didn't need to explain it too much because we'd seen it before in gravity. So we didn't have to go into, and here's why everything is falling now like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. thought they did that so well. Uh, the last thing I'd mention is, and this is just me and who I am, uh, the music by Clinton Shorter. I had, I love the score to this and I'm really ashamed that they haven't put out uh, the seasons two and three um for for download i i listen to to uh, film scores and tv scores when i'm grading or when i'm writing um and this is one of the best out there i think it's a, f- a fantastic score Same. i haven't checked it out yet sorry go ahead kate what are you saying i play it on a loop on youtube sometimes yep oh wow i haven't actually listened to it yet so I'm, i will do that this evening I'll, I'll put it on a on a playlist download it and, and listen to it that's awesome yeah. thank you for that all right, so I think it's it's about time to wrap it up. The the things that I'd say we just kind of kind of as each one of us gives our final thoughts. How does how does the expanse fit into the the landscape of where we are in, in sci-fi at the moment? We've already made comparisons to Battlestar Galactica, to Firefly, to um, Star Trek Discovery, especially. Is there anything else that this is really linking into, and that that our viewers can can latch onto as maybe almost as a uh, if you liked this then you might be able to, to get into the expanse. Um, anything you yeah. can think of, Kate? Absolutely. So it's actually what got me to read the book series to begin with. I was looking for science fiction that was further afield than the near future, stuff like The Martian, but not so far out as Star Trek or you know Firefly or any other alt-universe. It's like, where are the stories about settling the solar system and what it's like before we have any form of you know hyperspeed or warp speed or any of that? Uh, where are we uh, before we leave the solar system? Though this uh, storyline is heading in that direction uh, for what goes there, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a time period that's not explored very much uh, that we have not seen enough done with. And um, we're at a point in time technologically where we can have the CGI to do uh, the, the zero G gravity and all these other scenes that they just sort of hand wave past in most science fiction uh, with artificial gravity and the rest of that we get to see this in between time as we are becoming. And that's one of the things I really love about it. Awesome. I love it. And, and even just mentioning the Martian, they've, they've sort of said, you know, as, as canonically, non-canonically as they can, the, the writers have basically said, yeah, this is in the same universe as the Martian. There's a ship called the Mark Watney in one of the books. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. Can they do that? They've, yes. they've sort of just low. And they've, I think they talked about it with Andy Weir as well. It oh yeah. Ty Frank and Andy Weir at one of the cons, I sat yeah. down hashed the whole thing out. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's how, super that's, cool. That okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, I love The Martian. In fact, The Martian was one of my favorite books, one of my oh, favorite man. books of all time. I love yeah. that book, yes, so much, so 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 much. The movie, too, I enjoyed the movie, but the book is so great, um, and so smart, yes, um, yeah. and yeah. funny. It's great. Oh man, oh, oh, it's so good. The things they do with poop, uh, it's uh, <laughs> yes, it's amazing, it's a lifesaver, very literally. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, 
what about you, Chris? Uh, where are you seeing the expanse fitting into the this landscape of sci-fi now and just kind of final overall thoughts? You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I was starved for science, for good science fiction um, on television. You know, there's beginning, I think there's a renaissance happening right now, CBS All Access with Star Trek Discovery and all these new series that are going to be happening. But as far as like space operas, uh, there aren't too many of them that are done really well. Um, and I'd say if, you know, the Orville is too silly for you um, and you're looking for something a little bit more gritty, uh, a little bit more real, something that you can actually, you know, sink your teeth into and understand it's going to be dense. You're going to have to like wade through some bits. I think you're going to really enjoy The Expanse. So I'd say if you're up for one of those series where I would say it gets good after six or seven episodes, then I would recommend The Expanse. If you don't have time to spend and you're not interested in watching six or seven episodes before you're, you get in, you have to fight through, then probably not. Uh, and I don't know that you're missing a whole lot. Um, and that, that's kind of where I'm at. Can I just point out that Star Trek first seasons weren't exactly strong? Oh, they're terrible. They're terrible. Oh, you have to get through 36 episodes <laughs> of The Next Generation. That's a season and a half. Yeah. Minimum. And I, past the expanse the has that beat. Bad <laughs> stuff, yeah. And, and let me say, this comes from a person who has only seen, so like I said, I've only seen through season two. Yeah. So for me, the slog was season one, the last like two episodes of season one were really good, firing all cylinders. And then it took me another three episodes into season two to really like buy into it. Okay. Where yeah. I was like, okay, now I'm going to finish the season. So that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't disagree with you and, and perhaps, and, but I haven't finished season three yet. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of doing a little bit of hedging my, uh, yeah. my recommendation because I, I can't tell somebody for sure this is going to end well for my, uh, for my experience. Does that make sense? Okay. But I guess the, the thing that it, you're, you are going to get into season three. I mean, you, you texted me. I was literally running through the airport in Taiwan. I was about to miss my plane. And yeah. I, and I get a, I get a text from you saying like, dude, season two. And I was like, yes, I know. And it's so, I mean, so it seems as though you're, you're on board. We're not making you, we're not forcing you to, to watch season three is what I'm saying. No, no, no. And that's okay. my point is season two, it, it makes, there's a shift. There's a, a momentum shift um, a, that, that I really got into. There, there's a few moments and like, I think it was like the second episode or third sure. episode of season two where I knew I was going to be in and I was going to nice. keep watching the show. All right. So uh, Tyler, why don't you give us your kind of final thoughts on uh, The Expanse? Well, as I've said about before, you know, we've gushed and gushed about this. Uh, I, I am all about it. I think uh, I agree with you that the season one is a bit of a slog season two, um, but, but it's essential. Season one is essential for world building and, and some character building, but season two it gets streamlined and, and we really get into the story. Season three, I'm excited for. I have, I've read the book, but I haven't seen it. So I don't know if they changed some stuff or what they do. And, and I am really excited uh, to watch to watch season three and to get into it. So I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty pumped to, to see where it goes and to see the shift that happens once Amazon starts producing it themselves. So that'll be, kind yeah, of cool. we'll have to talk about that when we review season three and talk about it uh, maybe in a, a couple of weeks, right? Is that what we're thinking? Give ourselves we're hoping a couple, a couple of weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. To get through it. Some of but, us have, you know, 
some other things to do in our lives. No, I know, I know. It's really some it's, of us have like kids and stuff and responsibilities. That's true. That is. I'm a teacher. True. I don't go back to school until the 29th, so I'm <sighs> I'm free and clear. Nice. Well, you have fun with free time. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, as always, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, uh, Kate, for for joining us. Do you want to plug anything? Where are you on Twitter, and how can people find you? So I am on Twitter. Um, my handle is a library geek. Um, you can tweet me there and tell me how crazy you think I am, or conversely, you can say how crazy you think Chris is. I'm. I'm That's cool that is that is what's going to happen. Let me just tell you right now. That is that is an accurate statement. Hashtag crazy Chris. That's you know what? Let's not let's not <laughs> give out hashtags for free. Why is that happening, Tyler? I just it ha- you know it came to me. It was brilliant, so I went with it. Wow. Yeah. And as always, you can follow us on at the next Trek on Twitter, where we'll as you know, as soon as we get more information about any of the the Star Trek shows or our new developments on season two of Discovery or or just any other great sci-fi stuff, we will be posting it. Feel free to have a conversation there, uh, and if you can f- uh, find us on iTunes, subscribe and and give us a rating. We'd love to we'd love to hear from you. And as always, keep on listening, live long, and prosper. Mm-hmm.